Union members packed Fifth Avenue for the Labor Day Parade Saturday, intending to send a message. This is a hot union summer. It's still summer, but it's going to be a hot union fall, too. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. Last weekend, thousands of union members joined together to march up Fifth Avenue in the annual Labor Day Parade in New York City. The events held each year after Labor Day weekend. But over the Labor Day weekend, unions across the country and right here in New York State held parades and gatherings to celebrate all that the union movement has accomplished for working people. And that has all happened amid a backdrop of unprecedented union activity as more workers decide to join a union and more workers make the difficult decision to go out on strike. Power to the union. Power to it. We love the union very much because without the union, I don't know what will have happened to us. Joining me on the Union Strong podcast is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento. Mario, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Darcy. So I wanted to talk about the state of labor. I kind of feel like when we get to this time of the year, September, you know, we're kind of starting over, like the kids going back to school, going to college, whatever it might be. And for us, coming off of big events, Labor Day uh, parades all over the state, um, you were at the one in New York City just last weekend. There's this energy. Everyone's talking about our goals. Since you were there at the parade, there were a lot of people participating for a lot of different reasons. What was the energy like there? I was off the chart. So I'll tell you this. Most people don't realize that is a five-hour parade. Uh, parade kicks off at 10. We didn't get out until after 3 o'clock. There are tens of thousands of, of members marching in that parade. And throughout, whether it was the public sector, private sector, building trade unions, everyone together marching up Fifth Avenue, one after the other, one union after another, it is a sight to see. And every single union had, as you said, this enthusiasm about being there. But more important than just about being there, it's about being a part of their union, being a part of this movement. You cannot fake it. We can't get members to do something they don't really want to do. They had to get up early on a Saturday morning, drive into Manhattan, wait their turn to march, and some of them have to wait an hour or two hours on side streets mm -hmm. as it starts off at 44th Street, goes all the way up to 64th Street. That's a mile. You have to do that. You don't have to do that. You do it only if you truly want and believe in what you're doing. So to see an event like that, it was, it was very heartening because it shows not only, again, their support for their own union, but being part of something bigger than themselves, being part of something bigger than just their union, being part of the entire labor movement in New York City and across the state. And every union, you, you, they come up to the reviewing stand as you're there and you're watching them come on and they just want to run over and shake your hand and, and give you a hug and say, they're saying thank you, 
not only to me, but to President Alvarez at the Central Labor Council, and I know uh, certainly the Grand Marshal, Nancy Hagens from Nisna, but it's all of us standing there saying, no, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being active and for participating and allowing us to be as successful as we are as a labor movement. So it, it, it was that sort of feeling that day, but it's not just there. We had parades and events all over the place in Albany and Buffalo and Rochester, the Hudson Valley, throughout the state. And, and again, it's everyone joining together on that particular day to say, yes, we're proud to be part of this movement, but we're also proud to be union strong. We're part, proud to be part of this movement every single day. And at this time of the year, as we get ready to go into 2024, uh, it, I think it's really invigorating and it's a great jumping off point or a great starting point toward what we want to accomplish next year. Let's talk about the people recognizing who is marching. I mean, they might not be familiar with all the different unions, so the people along the parade route, too, there's no doubt they're familiar with what's going on with SAG-AFTRA, with the Writers Guild. Talk about the importance of um, them being there and then labor supporting what they're in the middle of. Well, I'll tell you, they had SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild had a tremendous turnout on Saturday. And they were not only there in numbers, but they were they were loud. And again, they were proud to be there. They knew that their union was fighting on their behalf and it is fighting on their behalf, both unions. Mm -hmm fighting for them to have a better life, not only for themselves, but their families, not just now, but into the future. And to see them there, uh, there were hundreds of them from both unions cheering and marching. I think it, it was great for us to see it outside of that particular union, to see that they're, it's, they're two months in now, mm -hmm. and they're still, uh, I don't want to, excited is the wrong word, but they still have this feeling about them that, you know, we're going to win this battle. So it's invigorating for everyone else to see. And I think back for them, seeing the response they got as they were going up uh, Fifth Avenue, and then for everyone who was at the end of the parade waiting for them to get there, I think it goes both ways. It was almost like electric, mm -hmm. that you just feel that. It's, it's, there's a sense of being, again, part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, and to see them out there, you know, I've been to the lines a couple of day, uh, times, and I know we're going to go as a state mm -hmm. AFL-CIO, uh, go out to meet them later this week and to be with them and to show our support. Uh, I've gone to the lines. There is great enthusiasm from both unions. They know what they're fighting for. They appreciate what they're fighting for. Again, they're fighting for a, not only better wages, benefits, and conditions of employment now, but into the future. Not just fighting for themselves, but fighting for their families into the future. They're fighting for members who are going to come 20, 30, 40, 50 years after them to ensure that they have a better life, to ensure that they, you know, when you talk about the issue of artificial intelligence, that is about their jobs. That is about the livelihoods of these actors who we don't always know their names, but their faces are familiar. You know, you go on up those picket lines and you see actors and they're there and you say, oh, gee, he or she looks really familiar. I'm not really sure what show I've seen them on, what, what movie I've seen them in, but you know that they're working because you see them often enough. Mm -hmm. You know, if artificial intelligence becomes a real part of that industry, a lot of those workers are going to be out. And they're going to lose their jobs, they're going to lose their livelihoods, they're going to lose their health care. Um, and then there's the residual effect, right? There's the costume designers for those actors. Even if they're only on set for a day or two, they're out of work. The, the makeup artists, they're out of work, the residual. The caterers who are there on set every day, whether it's a TV show or a movie, they're out of work. So the fight is not only important to those members, 
it's important to those other unions and to the other workers across uh, the industry. So there's a residual effect here. And, and so, uh, again, looking forward to going out there uh, to join them later this week, but we wish we didn't have to. Mm -hmm. The reality is they have to, and we have a responsibility to them as a, as, as a greater movement to join that line with them and say, we're here with you, we're never going to leave your side, and we will win this fight, but the only way we're going to win it is winning it together. And you know this because it's you that's getting the request. You, you know, you had an op-ed in the Times Union in the Albany region talking about the state of labor, and we get requests. People want to talk to you um, from the media about the state of labor. You were recently on Capitol Tonight talking about where we movement, are. Wanting to be part of this movement. I think people realizing that there is a tangible benefit to their lives if they become a union member. You know, we know that. And I think one of the things that I noticed, as you said, when you, whether it's a strike or just in the middle of negotiations, whoever it is, it seems like those issues are similar, right? So, and we're seeing people wanting to organize more. So what is, what's happening that, you, that you're seeing all of this? I, I think you see a couple of things. I think you see young people wanting to be part of this movement in greater numbers, whether the, uh, the grad students or the bookstores or all the online gaming. Uh, these are industries that were never part of the labor movement before and never, I mean, they were untapped industries. And you see that. And I think that's very important. And that's important because if they become members, you become a member in your 20s, it's a good chance you're going to be a member for 40 years out. So you're not only growing the movement, you're sustaining the movement. I think a lot of young people saw it during the pandemic mm -hmm. about how the labor movement was fighting for uh, better conditions in the workplace, the HERO Act, right? Keeping uh, private sector workplaces safer from uh, airborne infectious mm -hmm. diseases, such as COVID. They saw that. Uh, they saw that we were not gonna allow our members to get back into a workplace until we knew they were safe. And we took every precaution along the way and ensured that our employers took every precaution along the way. So I think you've seen that now over the last few years. I think you see new industries. Uh, we fought hard in 2019 for the Farm Workers Fair Labor Practices Act. And until that time, farm workers in the state, as you know, didn't have the right to join a union. They didn't have the right to a day of rest or overtime pay. So now over the last four years, we have seen uh, farm workers in the state being organized, mm -hmm. having a voice in the workplace. The cannabis industry. We uh, had some language put in uh, various pieces of legislation on labor peace so these workers could, could join a union uh, you know, a little bit more easily if they chose to do so. We see the cannabis industry being organized uh, across the board. Uh, we had uh, a very successful legislative session, a lot of language uh, regarding climate issues mm -hmm. where we'll have labor peace and, and everything else that comes along with it. And, and so we're seeing new industries now, again, come about where again, there weren't opportunities in the past. So you, you have young people, you have new industries, you have everyone joining together. And, and I think it just, you know, one victory begets another. And you see, so, oh, so wait now, so farm workers have the right to join a union. Oh, well, that's really important. And well, a whole new industry, the cannabis industry, that's something that's really important. And then you take a look at it and you say, well, gee, I, I, I'm, I'm a relatively young person and this gaming industry is exploding and it has been for the last few years. I can be part of a union. And as you see it, there's this groundswell of support, uh, and I think it, everything plays off of each other. I think also, I think as a, as a labor movement in general across this country, I think we've done a little bit better of a job in terms of actually showing the tangible benefits of being a union member. We know because we do this every day. Union members uh, 
have a defined benefit pension of about 70% of them. So mm -hmm. 70% of union members have a defined benefit pension, which means every month for the rest of your life from the day you retire, you will get a check deposited in your bank account for that pension benefit, mm -hmm. whatever that amount may be, every day for the rest of, every, week, every month for the rest of your life. 70%, only 17% of non-union members have a defined that's, benefit That's pension. such an important benefit. Oh. People don't, they don't think about it, I don't think, until the time comes. Well, no, right, but, but here's the thing. Um, once you're there, it's very important, right? And it's part of, it becomes part of that three-legged school stool that we've always spoken about. So you have a defined benefit pension if you're fortunate enough to have one. If you're a union member, you're making usually more money, and I'll get mm -hmm. to that in a moment, but you have some savings, even if it's not a lot. And you have your Social Security. And between the three of those incomes, you can hopefully have uh, you know, a, a retirement that we all aspire to have with dignity, with self-respect, and financial independence. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not having to rely on anyone else, children or family members, to, to, to uh, get by in your retirement. Now, getting back to the first part about how much of a difference it makes tangibly, and getting back to that three-legged stool, and hopefully having some savings, Union members make, on average, 11% more a year than non-union members. That is approximately $10,000 more a year, right? So if you have a family, we can all realize what that means. Maybe you want to hopefully put money aside for a house, and you have enough money to pay the mortgage, and all the things would come with being a family. If you're single, $10,000 is a lot more money, regardless of what state you live in. Over the course of your career, as we see younger people come into this movement, if you're a member in your 20s, you don't retire until your 60s, that's 40-some-odd years, that's close to a half million dollars more in earnings that you will have than a non-union member. That is real. That is tangible. That, those are real numbers now. Half a million dollars is real numbers. Even after taxes, if it's $300,000, $400,000 in cash, that's a lot of money. And that makes a difference in people's lives. And I think as a movement, we've done a little bit better job. And I, I give credit to Liz Shuler, the president of the National AFL-CIO, for talking about all these things and, and, and getting that message out. No matter out. who you are, unions will work for you. A younger worker, an older worker, it's better in a union. Black, white, Hispanic, AAPI, indigenous, it's better in a union. We know how important communicating with our members uh, actually is, and you do it, and you're the best at it, and it's true. Um, and so the reality is we see more of it. Uh, we see it's tangible to people. People see it's tangible to them who aren't in this movement and say, wait, wait, what? How much more do you get? What are the protections? I have a voice in the workplace. And health care benefits. And health care benefits. More likely. So, so the reality is right. I mean, overwhelmingly, members have more, uh, have a greater percentage um, if you're a union member, having a, uh, a health care coverage paid for by your employer. Mm -hmm. Think about that. In a lot of instances, I hate to say it, it's a difference between life and death. Right. You know, and certainly it, it's uh, financially what it means to have to pay for your, for your own medication and, and the doctor visits that inevitably everyone has to increase as you get older. So I think uh, people are starting to recognize it who are not part of this movement saying, hey, I want to be a part of it. How do I do that? How do I get the opportunity to speak on myself on behalf of uh, everyone else in my workplace? And I think we see that uh, every single day. So it's not, Labor Day is sort of a starting off point to get back to your original point, and it's great to see, but I really do think 
it, 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 uh, one victory begets another and begets another and really gets the message out there, hey, the labor movement seems to be really successful. And I think that goes to, I think the last poll was about 71% mm -hmm. of, of Americans now have a positive view of the labor movement that hasn't been the case in more than a half century. I think that says something. And before I let you go, you do, you were with the governor just recently getting um, some of our pieces of legislation signed, one of them banning captive audience uh, meetings. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. You know, um, one of the tools that employers unfortunately use is they will call uh, their employees in and historically have forced them to sit through meetings and put forth their own personal points of view. Uh, that can't happen anymore, whether it's a political point of view, a religious point of view, or most importantly for what we're talking about as a labor movement. If a, if a worker in a workplace decides that they don't want to attend a meeting where they know there's going to be an anti-labor or anti-organizing effort, because a lot of these meetings take place as there's an organizing drive at their, <laughs> at their workshop yeah. all of a sudden. Right. And if you don't want to attend or if you go to the meeting, and you hear that this is the message of the day, you can get up and leave that meeting. And in both cases now, you can no longer be punished by your employer for not wanting to listen to that message. That is a huge victory mm -hmm. for the labor movement because it really does, and has historically has curtailed a lot of organizing drives. They, they, they lie. They force you to sit there and hear, well, if, this, if you join, this will happen, and these bad things will happen. And, and without that, workers can make their own choice without the pressure from their employer of whether or not they want to be a member of a union. Sometimes they may choose not to. That's fine. Mm -hmm. More often than not, they will. If they're looking at both sides of it and everything you and I have just talked about today, better wages, benefits, conditions of employment, just having the opportunity to, to make that choice for yourself without pressure from your employer, we will see the benefit of this piece of legislation um, in year, a few years from now because you'll see more and more organizing victories. Uh, and so I thank the governor for signing it. She got on board from the very beginning. We, we thank uh, both the Assembly and the Senate for passing it earlier this, uh, this year, mm -hmm. and the governor signed that, and we're very pleased. And then finally, um, if you don't mind going over the process, you know, we have two and a half million members uh, who, who are under our umbrella of the New York State AFL-CIO for the public sector, private sector, building trades. And then we, I know it's a year-round process, but we're kind of kicking off and having meetings and discussions, and it's been ongoing for what we're going to be looking forward to for the coming year for the budget, legislative session. Um, can you give us kind of a preview? At this time of the year, we're gearing up for the following legislative session, which begins in January, the first week of January in Albany. And so at this time, we're we're in constant contact, myself with the principal officers of, of our affiliates and our executive board, uh, our staff, Mike Neidl, our legislative director, and, and Joe Cannabis, speaking with our affiliates and their legislative departments about what are the issues that are at the top of their agenda. We cultivate all of that information over the next two, three, four months, and, and in addition, things that may have felt fallen off the table mm -hmm. last session, put all of that together uh, over the next three or four months, and then bring it to our executive board at our December meeting. We have an annual meeting in December where our board will go over the list of everything that we've accumulated, talking it through and saying these are the issues that are going to be part of our legislative agenda moving forward into the, into the new year. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, we're talking to our uh, members from different unions across the state right now on the issues that are important to them in the workplace and outside of the workplace and that affect themselves and their families. Uh, so we've had, we have surveys out there mm -hmm. talking to them about 
you know, what is it that actually gets you to be part of the political process, right? Because 2024 is a big political year, right? We have state legislative races, we have congressional races, we have the presidential race, obviously. So you don't want to just talk to your members six weeks before an election, right? For a lot of obvious reasons. We want to talk to them, A, to get them and keep them engaged and to, to make them feel like they're part of the process because they're the biggest part of the process. If you educate the members on the issues that are important um, to labor, they're most likely to come out and participate, whether it's knock on doors or to simply go out and vote. But more important about educating them on the issues is getting from them what are the issues that are important to you. Mm -hmm. And so we can take a look at all of that and say, okay, They've said, you've said healthcare is an important issue. You've said uh, wages are an important issue. You're talking about pensions or paid family leave, whatever the issues are that come back to us. And then we can take a look at the candidates that are out there for all the races I just mentioned and say, well, you told us this issue is important to you. Well, here's where candidate A stands. Here's where candidate B stands. Now make your decision, mm -hmm. right? It has to be a bottom-up process. So we're in the process of doing that. We know all of our affiliate unions do that uh, anyway. So we're sort of supplementing that from the state AFL-CIO's perspective, gathering that information. And so we're, you know, we're 14 months out from Election Day mm -hmm. of 2024, but the work starts now. So this is the time of year you start talking about the legislation, you're talking about politics for the following year, you're talking about the strikes that are ongoing and whatever is possible uh, moving forward, things that we don't even know about yet. Mm -hmm. You, you work together on all those other things, and I think that's why time goes so quickly. And that's yeah. why you say to yourself, what, did the summer just pass? Weren't we just in like, June, right? So that's, that it's an exciting time because we see activity, we see member participation, uh, and it really makes me feel well about the future of the labor movement in this state. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. And I have to say congratulations on an awesome pitch at the uh, Mets game not too long ago. Uh, that you, went off, you were off the grass. You were yeah. in the dirt. I so was on that the was mound. They on the mound. On the mound. Sorry, I know I shouldn't. I'm going to get in trouble at home from calling in the dirt. You were. That was. Thank you. That's a lot of pressure. When you're there, you just you just have to make it. You know, you just have to get 60 feet six inches. So maybe it was like 58 feet. Um, it was a lot of fun, and and the most important, we had a lot of members come out and really enjoy the day, and sh again show how proud they are to be part of this movement. But thank you, and it really was a strike. All right, thank you, Mario. Thanks, Darcy. Joining me on the podcast now is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. So Mario covered a lot of ground, as he usually does when we have him on, but um, really kind of laid the land for what we have coming up. And you play a critical role in that because, you know, we do have different things that we're supporting, whether it's legislation or events or being on a picket line. And a really good way for people to follow along with that and participate is to engage in our social media platforms. Absolutely. Our social media really helps keep everyone informed on the same page. Um, it's a good tool we can use to rally people when we've got events coming up or, you know, when we need uh, people to turn up, you know, and show solidarity. It's a really powerful tool. And the website, too, which um, Liz maintains, you've got an events calendar on there. And then also with legislation, if people want to keep track of that, they can go to our website. 
Yeah, our website is a treasure trove for all things New York's union movement. We've got the legislation section, which has, uh, you know, there's weekly updates during session that get posted there. Um, there are budget breakdowns and session breakdowns, all kinds of good stuff that our legislative team works really hard on. Um, the calendar, like you said, we put events up on there so people can see what's going on. Um, the news section, our podcast is always posted there, but among you know other things that are going on, uh, it's a great place to go to stay up to date. Well, great. And so we'd love for people to follow us. We'd love for you to follow us and tell people about the podcast as well. And uh, I think Mario mentioned the survey. That's on the website too? Yeah, the survey's on the website. Um, that's just been really great. You know, Mario spoke about how important it is for us to know what's important to our members. And that's the tool we've been using to, you know, find out exactly that. Um, so it's really great. We appreciate everyone who's taking the time to take the survey. All right. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.